Hi, everybody. Editor Lachlan here. Before this episode of the Creasecast gets started, just wanted to let you know of a couple things. Number one, uh, the audio at the beginning of the episode for uh, my guest co-host, Cody Sievertson, uh, is a little bit choppy at the beginning, but we managed to smooth things out uh, uh, pretty quickly afterwards. So the first little bit of like the Eddie Lack conversation is a little bit skewed and messed up, uh, but I thought I'd leave it in there for our posterity's sake um, and just for the added uh, conversation piece. Uh, but uh, the rest of the episode is fine. There is no tech issues uh, from that point on. And then um, number two, um, this is going out on Saturday the 11th. We recorded this on the 10th, on the 10th of, uh, of April. Uh, sorry, why am I saying? Did I say? Yeah, Saturday the 11th, April, and we recorded this on April the 10th, um, Friday the, the 10th. Um, uh, today, if you probably didn't hear, uh, Edmonton Oilers forward, uh, Colby Cave passed away, um, if, of a, uh, of a brain bleed, um, and it's very sad and it's a really tough situation, um, so if you're wondering if there, why there's no mention of that in this episode, uh, that's just because it went up, uh, that's because it was recorded yesterday, um, it's quite sad. It's really, you know, those moments you these are the kinds of moments especially like this this year has already been trash for just everything that's going on. The fact that, you know, especially for the in the the family's case, you know, you can't go to the hospital to generally most of the time to mourn to mourn and be there for the final moments because of what's going on because it's too it's it's not safe. Um and there's just it's it's just a whole nother part of a ter- what's already been an awful year not just for hockey but for everybody and um it sucks and you know um and my thoughts go to the cave family um his wife emily and everybody and everybody in the edmonton oilers organization or anyone who's uh who's played with colby over the over the course of his career uh this episode is dedicated to him and um aside from that hopefully uh, like I say at the end of this episode, hopefully these sorts of the shows we're doing is a bit of a distraction for you while we uh, uh, while we push through what is a pretty difficult time. I know for myself, it's pretty um, it's nice to have these uh, conversations and to bring in these cool guests like Cody uh, to talk about hockey in a time where, you know, we need that distraction is better more than ever. Um, and I really appreciate the guests that have been coming in uh, and have been talking about hockey, even though it's not obviously not anyone's first anyone the top of anyone's mind right now um because you know it's a great escape for myself and i think it's a great and hopefully it's a good escape for you as well as we keep going through this as we journey through this difficult time together um thank you so much and i hope you enjoy the rest of this episode this is the crease cast here's your host luck in the crease all right, I have to start off this episode of the Quarantine Crease Cast uh, with a bit of a, an apology on my part. I made a mistake on the last episode. Uh, uh, I completely forgot to talk about the fact that Eddie Lack retired. And today I have a guest co-host to help me talk about uh, lots of uh, Canuck stuff as well as the Utica Comets uh, as an expert on the subject. Um, uh, we have a writer at Pasadabulis, creator at the, of the Comets Harvest website, and uh, a recipient of the Botchford Project, uh, Cody Sievertson. Uh, Cody, welcome to the show. Lachlan, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. It's great to have you um, because you know uh, there's you know there's not much hockey going on, obviously right now. The playoffs would be 
uh, start have started yesterday, uh, but you know, instead we're gonna have to settle for a bunch of NHL sims where every surprisingly every team that's running their own simulation they happen to win the cup that year isn't that you know it's so strange how that works out yeah there's gonna teams just you know run the gambit yeah 31 different teams won the cup in the same season absolutely (laughs) even the red wings did it they even they won the cup somehow who knew who knew that they They went 50 to know Yep. That's how, that's just how it goes, you know? Um, and, uh, but yeah, we're, you know, we're going to talk about a lot of, uh, a lot of hockey, a lot of different, uh, stuff that we're doing during, uh, quarantine right now. Um, and, but I guess we'll start off with the fact that, yeah, Eddie Lack retired last week and now he is a realtor in Arizona, which is exciting for him. And this is a very goal, a pro goalie podcast, obviously. Um, Cody, what are like some of your memories of Eddie Lack's time with the Canucks and, uh, to, and as well with, uh, the affiliates? You know, it's funny. Like I've purged a lot of like the, like the bad years of the Canucks, like from like, you know, 2013. Like, I remember game, but, like, I forget most of what happened, but I was game where he gave up like seven goals in like one period and they lost like a five nothing game or whatever, or whatever oh. it was. They had like, a five goal lead or whatever. So sadly that's like my only real like game memory of him. But, like, I remember when they traded him, I was so upset because I just loved his personality on Twitter and, like, in interviews. Like, he was so real. Just loved what you do in a popular And he just around the fresh air. I mean, I remember being upset when it was on. Okay, so we we finally sorted out all the the audio issues. We hope, uh, yeah. but uh, you know, if things if things change, you know, this is this is this is life in the new in the new. <laughs> the new regime, you know, (laughs) that was, that was unexpectedly dark. I didn't realize where I was going with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're talking about, you know, Canucks, Comets, all sorts of stuff today. Cody, uh, you've been covering the Comets, um, for how long now? I started last November, uh, looking at the team. Okay. So you've been, you're, you're relatively new to this. Um, what made you decide you wanted to start, uh, covering specifically, um, AHL stuff for a little? Um, I was actually having a schedule change where I was off really early and, um, I was really bored and the comments were playing when I got home. So I figured I'd start watching their games and, uh, <laughs> I was kind of like, okay, watching's all right, but I feel like I could do more. Like I'm sure other people like want to know what's happening. And so I started just like clipping tape and clipping video and like summarizing the games and then people liked it. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll, this is a service. People want to like hear what I have to say and what I think. So here we go. And then it's uh, culminated in a Botchford project uh, call up and like uh, radio and podcast seems it's kind of crazy how things kind of like spitballed so fast but yeah here i am yeah uh yeah it's and i read i read your um your botchford project article it was really great by the way well, thank you um what was that what especially just because you know it's it's for you especially it's quite different because you live in you live in vancouver you so you don't obviously you don't get the chance to cover the comets like on a daily basis. You don't get to be at the rink or any of those cases. Uh, but you got the opportunity to uh, go right to jump right to the big leagues and do a, and do an NHL game as a, as credited media. What was that experience like for you? 
it was surreal, man. Like, like genuinely surreal because yeah, like you said, like here I am just covering a team that like is thousands of miles away. I could never interacted with a player and then here's my chance. Okay. Go talk to a bunch of hockey players about their time in the AHL, even though you've never spoken to a player before. And so like, it was like really cool, like meeting a ton of people and like in the media and like them like saying like, Oh, I can't wait to hear your piece. And then like, like starting to actually talk to players and, and, and ask them like questions that like, I never would have expected myself to be asking like, you know, a year into talking about Comets hockey. And, but like the guys are really nice. Like they're really like, uh, like good with like my questions, even though I'm sure they came off like horrible. Like it's kind of <laughs> like one of those things where you like, you're sleeping at night and you think of like something you did when you were in grade three and you're like, Oh, why did I do that? It's so embarrassing. <laughs> and so like for a few days after that, like that's kind of like how I felt. It just was super embarrassed. Like I probably like looked like a complete fool, but like it was really cool. Like at the time, like something completely different and out of my comfort zone. And uh, just talking like AHL hockey with like a guy, like guys who've been there, like they probably like, why is this guy asking me about the AHL when I'm here in the NHL with the Canucks. <laughs> so they kind of had like that look of like, oh, what's this guy asking me about the AHL for? But yeah, it was like super cool. It was like really rad. Like people were really like receptive and like open. And like a lot of the people like in the organization were coming up to me telling me like they couldn't wait to read what I had to say. And yeah, it was really stressful writing it, but like I, I, know, I loved it every second of it. It was just crazy. I'll say, you know what, I'll say this, you know, I've done, I've done like low media stuff. Like I've been going to games like for the last couple seasons. Cause last year I was doing uh, the AHL stuff uh, for the San Jose Barracuda and I was getting to go to their games and everything. I still yeah. have days like that all the time where I'm just like, oh, what have I done? Like, uh, like, or I'll have to go climb into a hole after like making like a stupid mistake. Yeah. Like, at one point I think I'm like, I, I, I think at one point I got Bowen Byram and Kale McCarr mixed up and I'm like, how did the fuck managed to do that like i didn't like i didn't luckily it wasn't to bowen luckily i didn't do it to him directly but i it was like in an interview with somebody else and i was like trying to mention i'm like oh god damn it like i still have nightmares about that so i can't imagine going in and doing it once and like having never done it before and having to go and go starting right with those with the nhl players and just wanting to make that first good impression yeah Um, um, and you know, I re- and I respect like especially just being able to cover a team from a distance is so difficult as it is because you know, and let alone a team in the American Hockey League or something where you don't have the same access necessarily every day to clips and to interview right. to interviews and everything, and especially like even just building like those connections with the players on the team and everything. Um, how, like what, how difficult was it to kind of get everything going for you, uh, in regards to covering a team from three time zones away? Well, it, it, obviously there was like some, a learning curve, just like figuring out how I was going to clip video, like as fast as possible. And like, I'm an, I'm an efficiency guy. Like, uh, I went to BCIT for, uh, operations management. So like my entire course load was about making processes more efficient. So as soon as I started like covering games, like uh, there was maybe like four gifs per like recap. And I was, I always kind of knew like I could do way more. It's just about like making the system more efficient. And once I kind of nailed that down, it's, it's almost like a, like a full process. It's like, it's like the Marvel cinematic universe. Like it's just, it's almost cookie cutter every single game. 
just like obviously the game results are a bit more different, but uh, just getting up and running wasn't too hard. Obviously, like once uh, it got to the Botchford project stage where it was like, okay, go talk to players. Like I was totally out of my uh, comfort zone, but I don't know. I, I, I embarrass really easy, but like, I don't like have a problem like doing it in front of other people. So I don't know. It's like, it was like, whatever. I don't care. Like this is like a huge moment for them. These guys meet like a hundred thousand media every year. I'm like a blip on their radar. So whatever, if I say the wrong name or word a question poorly, it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. And you know, um, with the comets as well, just like the having like that tough, it's tough already as it is just because of the fact that, you know, Utica is in, you know, it's the Canucks don't, you don't get as much access to those players just because of the everyday, you know, uh, they're not, yeah, playing, they, they're not, it's not only that they're not playing in the same, the, the same time zone, they're not playing in the same country. Like there's no, yeah. there's no real easy way to like get a hold of those players necessarily, unless you kind of know a guy or something, you know? No, like shout out, shout out to Corey Hergot with Canucks army or yes. I don't know. I don't know if he's still with Canucks army now, but shout out to Corey Hergot, the person for being able to build these relationships with players like across you know, the thousands of miles and like knowing these guys like on a personal basis and being able to get these interviews out even during the pandemic. Right. Like he's done a great job. And like, I, like, I wish I could get ascend to that level. Obviously I've got a ways to go, but it's really tough. Like you said, like a couple time zones and like these guys are obviously you have to go through Canucks PR and navigate or uh, negotiating like interviews and stuff across time zones and games and like on top of my own work schedule which is like offset by said time zones like it's it's really tough but like I mean I think I've made do without like interviews so far and I think it's mostly about like just evaluating players and how they're doing uh on a game-to-game level um obviously if I could get to a point where like I have player interviews on like on a per game basis, that would be huge. But I mean, that's might be a little ways away. Do you see yourself wanting to do Utica like Comet stuff? Is this kind of the, is this the long-term goal for you? Do you plan on trying to make more of a run with, um, and it, with Canuck stuff or, and do you see this as like, a, as like the career kind of building towards? Uh, I think it's kind of like a, the starting point, like, when I first started this, there wasn't like a set blueprint for what I wanted to do. It was mostly just like, okay, here's something, you know, to keep myself busy. But now that I've seen like, okay, like this opened up the door for the Boschford project. Like my name's kind of out there. Like what else could I do? Like, could I do Canucks games? Could I branch out into covering like the draft, like stuff like that. That's just beyond like a, a strictly Utica focus. So for right now, I still don't think I really have like a long term plan, but I'm always keeping my mind open to what my writing could take me to, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, that makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah. Especially when you're not, like you mentioned before, you said you did, um, op, I believe it was operations management, uh, at BCAT. Uh, so you didn't have, it's not like a lot of us, like where we have like the, Oh, we like, I've done journalism classes and I took long and I've, I've always had this build towards of, Oh, I want to do this for a living. You're coming into it a little bit late and you're coming into it at a, in a different direction. So it, 
it's, I mean, it's amazing already just how far you've come just like beyond that, just the ability that you've made such a good run of this, doing this um, without necessarily having the experience of doing any sort of like uh, journalism uh, program or anything. Yeah. Thanks man. Like, yeah, it's, it's totally like just kind of fly by the seat of my pants, you know, just like, okay, I'm going to do this. Oh, maybe I could do this. I don't know. Sure. Let's go for it. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. You do a lot of, uh, do you do, you do a lot of, um, um, analytic, uh, analytic stuff as well. Uh, correct. Yeah. So this year, last season was strictly just like, okay, here's a game. This is what a player did good. This is a player who had like a bad moment here and Oh, here's a sweet moment from this player. And then this year, I kind of wanted to expand, like, what I was doing because reviewing games is, like, good and all that. But, like, maybe with the way things are going in terms of stats and analytics, that, like, maybe just providing a deeper layer to kind of flesh out why, like, a player wasn't doing so well or why my opinion of, you know, like, Coland is, like, the way it is. Maybe because the stats back up, like, how much of a – offensive play driver he is at five on five even if he's like a smaller guy or whatever you know what I mean so adding stats this season was like a big thing for me to just be more than just a like because anyone can write like oh I don't think this player had a good game but like if you could then say oh this player had a bad game because he got two shot attempts off and then got out attempted 37 times in 10 minutes you know what I mean yeah. So that's kind of where I wanted to go with my stats thing. It's obviously evolving because like I'm not a math major. <laughs> but <laughs> it's just like all about like, you know, just trying to diversify myself, make myself or make my writing a bit more versatile so that it's not just like something you can that seems cookie cutter, but seems something different and unique. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I've been this year, especially like it, from a personal level, I've been trying to I've been trying to pick up more hockey analytics stuff and add it to what I'm writing on writing. Cause it's just, I am not like you, I'm not skilled with math. It's never been my strong suit and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to do my best with it. And like, especially when I started doing more uh, stuff like at Passage of uh doing the goalie column and everything there, I was mm-hmm. learning a lot more, like going and looking for a lot more analytic stuff and a lot more like uh, charts and everything and trying to add those in along with stuff on the goaltenders. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's a tough learning curve on that yeah, particularly, sure. but it adds so much to what you're doing. Yeah, um, for sure. In regards to the Comet season, so they finished the, they, um, well, tech, I guess technically the AHL hasn't officially canceled everything yet, but yeah. I mean, it's, it's not looking good to that. We're going to get a restart here, uh, no. at least especially <laughs> at that level. Yeah. Um, they, so let's assume they're done. Let's assume this is the end of the line. Third, they finish with uh, 34, 34 wins, 22 losses in regulation, uh, uh, three overtime losses, and two shootout losses, if I'm reading that correctly. Correct. Uh, seven, and uh, 73 points, which is good enough for third in the North Division. And this year, from what I, w- I was not able to pay as much attention to the comments as I personally would have liked to. Um, mm-hmm. But from my understanding, this year was a, like there was a lot of ups and downs in regards to this team because I, if I remember correctly, they started off like as one of the hottest teams in the league out of the yeah, game, they were- and then it kind of and then they kind of leveled off. Yeah, they they started off like insanely hot. Like October, they went undefeated. They were eight zero and were just like lighting up every single team. Like I think they had four six goal games or something like that in like a span of a month. Like. <laughs> 
was disgusting, like, how good they were. They, like, led the league in, like, every conceivable metric except maybe, like, the penalty kill. But, like, yeah, they started out hot. Like, Michael DiPietro was, like, like great for them in three starts. And Zane McIntyre was having, like, a career resurgence. Like, I think he had – like the best number starts he'd had like in the last five seasons of his, like it was like the best start that the farm could have asked for considering how bad they were last season. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was, it was a, they, last season I heard some interesting stuff regarding how things went down last year. I mean, I got to talk to Jonathan Dolan when he got traded, uh, to the when I got traded to the Sharks I talked to him and that was that was one of my break-in moments to this to the market here uh when I when I talked to him about that um but you know there was a I mean this season there's been a lot of there's been there's been a lot of good stories coming out of Utica as opposed to last season I mean Zach McEwen is a big one that comes to mind you mentioned Grauback um after he had been in the with the uh the Stockton Heat last year um as far as like as far as like some of the the big, aside from the big names uh, of play, and players who got their opportunities at the NHL level, like who are some of the what are some of the the great seasons that were that happened this year that kind of flew under the radar? Uh, I think Cole Lynn's season, obviously, like I wrote a piece for Pass the Bullis that was about his resurgence and like his production was like obviously like like insane relative to how he was last year. I think after last season, most people had written him off and were just kind of like, Oh, that's just another dud prospect. There's, you know, way to go, Jim. Like this is another bad pick, but his production rate doubled than over last year. And that's like following a pretty unique career trend where he enters a league and then kind of just like does okay doesn't do great and then the following season he just like doubles like his point production which is like fantastic news for the the Canucks because what they need is another good skill top six upside winger who because I mean there's just not that much in the system and uh yeah Cole Lynn's season was really good like he had great five on five production which is where he struggled the most last season and I think maybe not talked about enough was just the, the fact that he was like a good gritty player. Like he, his whole game is about like instigating and like kind of being like a rat player. And I just don't think there's many players like that in the Canucks system or have been in the system in the last like 10 years that kind of have that uh, gameplay or game style that he just dis- like displays. And it's not talked about much by mainstream media, but it's probably one of the coolest aspects about him as a player is that there's this kid who can produce like a top six winger in the AHL level, but also is a guy who isn't afraid to like, you know, stir things up at the front of the net or get people riled up and try and draw penalties. Like, I think that's great that they have that in their, their uh, prospect system. And uh, yeah. You're, as you were describing that, uh, the, the, the top six, uh, top six guy who stirs the pot, there was only one player who came to mind and I'm not going to say his name. Uh, <laughs> Cause he's a certain Boston Bruin, but you know, I, I'm, I, if that is the, you know, it's that it is that kind of mentality of those players that you, you hate when you're playing against them, but you would love them the second they, they joined your own, your own team and Colt. And yeah, aside from maybe like Jake for who's, you know, he, he has his moments where he can be a little bit of a disturber on the ice, but for the most part, mm-hmm. that's never, that's not his, it's not, oh, it's not a huge aspect of his game. Like I think a lot of people would like it to be. 
So no. yeah, having Cole Lind be, potentially be able to fill that role uh, would be great for this group, especially because there is a potential that they're going to lose a couple a couple right wingers um, off the off the depth chart this season, the, during free agency. Yeah, and like you said, like Jake Vertanen, like yeah, in like in spades, like if he wants to muck things up, like he will. But it's not like you're ever going into every game thinking like he's going to be the guy that's going to instigate and try and draw a penalty and like muck things up or anything like that. Right. Cole Nobody Lynn, draws every a... game, You're expecting this kid to crash the net, muck things up with a goalie, you know, throw his hand in a couple guys' faces and then skate away like a little pest. Like, that's fantastic. Like, <laughs> how many pests do, like, do you really get, especially ones who can produce like he does, like, Jake Furtanen, like, you know, he can produce. That That's great. He had a great year this year. But I'm not going, like, oh, like, if I need a guy that's going to be a pest or, like, instigate or, like, be tough, it's not really him. Like, that's just not how I view him. So it's great that they have this kid in the system who's still young who can, you know, maybe replace that kind of player. Yeah, nobody's drawing a – nobody's no teams are necessarily drawing up a, a game plan based around uh, – keeping Jake for Tannen, uh, holding Jake for Tannen back, but potentially you can yeah. have that with Cole Lind with where exactly the guy that you're, pr- that you're planning for. Like, all right, this guy's going to be, this guy's going to be trying to make, trying to get a throw us off our game. Let's not, uh, let's not let that happen. You know, that's something that yeah. you're going to, that's something that, yeah, the Canucks could desperately, uh, desperately need. Um, there were a couple players this season who ha- who did get a lot of recognition around Vancouver and people really <laughs> wanted them uh, to see what they could do. Uh, one in particular that kind of came out of nowhere at the start of the season was Justin Bailey. Uh, just how how much do you think he? Uh, how what his his potential for to be become a long term uh, part of the Canucks plan? Uh, it's tough to say. I I think he's a great AHL player. Like obviously, like even at the NHL level, you can see his speed is what sets him apart. But I also believe that at the NHL level, he just didn't look have that same kind of confidence. I don't think his game really translates to the NHL level. I think I mean, obviously he didn't have like a huge showing with the Canucks this season, but I think in those limited viewings, like I wasn't going like, oh yeah, this is a guy they need to bring back because he's going to be an NHLer at peak. I think he's a great AHLer, and like I don't mean that as like a an offense, but I just think he's probably relegated to AHL depth at this point but like he's great like he's fun to watch like it's great to see a guy who's gonna skate end to end three times before he you know passes off for a shot on goal yeah. but uh, yeah i just don't i don't see like an nhl future with him in the canucks but he is like all like great ahl depth which is what you could say about a lot of the guys that they have on their system in the system right now yeah another one of those players is uh brogan rafferty who's gotten a lot of um you know he's a guy who's got who keeps getting whose name keeps getting brought up anytime there's you know defensive injuries um to, to certain players the canucks definitely do need some help on the blue mm-hmm. line especially in those the like in the third pairing and how and the seventh the seventh defenseman role is rafferty the kind of guy who could fill that role I think he could be there's there were definitely glimpses in the early part of the season where it was kind of like a okay if not now then when thing when whether he was going to get called up because he looked so sturdy on the back line uh defensively I think there's you know there's some room for improvement like he his uh his coverage isn't that great but he 
does possess like great uh, stick work. He's got great speed too. And he's like a good puck transitioner. I think he's probably one of the good puck, better puck movers that the, or the comments had this season. Like he, apparently he used to be a forward when he was like uh, growing up. And then his dad was like, Oh, by the way, like teams are wanting puck moving defensemen. So if you want to go anywhere as a hockey player, you need to be a defenseman, Brogan. And he was like, Oh, okay. Dang. Good advice. Yeah, fantastic advice. And that uh, led to him having a pretty good year with uh, the Bloomington Thunder. And then he went on to Quinnipiac where um, uh, the Canucks immediately started scouting him. So it worked out and you can actually see like shades of his forward game whenever he's actually playing because he does have these moments where he'll transition the puck from the Comets blue line into the offensive zone and he'll straight up just like pull a power forward power forward move and drive to the net himself for a shot at them. <laughs> like you just don't see that with like a lot of D-men like a lot of them like kind of like let up a bit and let the forwards do the work but like he's like fully capable of just like having these moments where he like drives on his own like and powers through like I swear to god he <laughs> he crashed the net like more than Jake Vertanen did this year like, it, it, like it's crazy like he was so good and like obviously he fell off a bit uh, production wise in the latter half of the season and I think that just has to deal with like adjusting from an NCAA schedule to an AHL schedule but like the first like you know three quarters of the season like I thought he looked great I thought he was ready for a call-up and I think it's for the best that the Comets ha- or the Canucks have a guy that could probably slot in on their third pair if they really need it yeah that is I mean especially with the Canucks and the way things have gone for them like there's there's it's clear that the defense is quite shaky and you know aside from from the obvious suspects like Quinn Hughes and Alex Adler and Chris Tanev there's not like you know the guys they have are okay but there's a clear you know there's clearly holes once you get into that when you get into those back half the back half and Correct. if you can, especially like the thing that's, you know, a lot of Stanley cup champions have had in the past has been, they have, they have the, they have a great front. They obviously have the great uh, front group, but mm-hmm. you need that cheap depth that can come in and play serviceable, serviceable hockey down the line. And, you know, having, and if Rafferty is the kind of guy who you could see potentially becoming going up, coming up as like a, a sixth or seventh defenseman on a relatively cheap contract that could, bode really well for them down the line right and there isn't like i mean there's on the right side they have to figure out if they're bringing back tanev uh i think stetcher's an rfa and they need to go to salary arbitration with him so there isn't certainty that he might come back either but say one of those two guys gets resigned which in all likelihood they will that means brogan has to basically outplay jordy ben for like a seventh d spot to to fight for that third pair role right so there isn't much he has to do to convince the team that he can play whether travis green has the confidence in him to you know fill in on that third pairing though is like a whole other question yeah and especially cuz you also imagine that uh, knowing jim benning and what he likes to do on uh, July 1st or whenever that day comes, there's going to be probably another free agent signing to deal with as well. Well, maybe the quarantine will like, I don't know, shut down phone services on July 1st this year and <laughs> we'll get a free. <laughs> you know what? I will say this. I think like there's obvious, uh, like as far as hockey is concerned, as far as the Canucks are concerned, the fact that, you know, there's a good chance, especially now that with the lost revenue from the NHL, that the cap isn't going up at all. 
yeah. it could be a saving grace for the Canucks, just in terms of like they could be saving saving themselves from themselves. Yes, the uh, pandemic has saved the Canucks from impending disaster on July. Oh yeah, I you know like Tyler Myers was fine this year, like but there are yeah. just so many times where I'm just like, what are you doing? Please, please get off the ice right now before you you cause a disaster, right? Yeah. Um, and you know, there's only there's only so many times you can hand out those contracts, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, especially going into this free agent period, and the Canucks looking like a decent team, like a playoff team potentially going into next year. I'm, you know, I always worry that oh, they're going to go out and spend a little too much on uh, at free on free agents than I would like. Um, yeah. But, you know, and this year, you know, there's a good chance that, yeah, we're not going to see them be able to go out and necessarily make those moves as well as potentially getting the opportunity, getting, uh, you know, a buyout or something. Uh, yeah, buyout. like there's there's that whole other option. Like they might, like depending on, like say the season doesn't resume, they don't even get uh, playoffs either. Like it's just an outright, everything's canceled. There might be a point where they have to roll back the cap and they might have to be like, okay, there's two compliance buyouts coming. Like, we have no idea, but there could be a situation where the Canucks have to buy out two guys and resign without, you know, the ability to spend at free agency. There, there could be a lot of guys looking on the outs, like, without a job this coming offseason. Yeah, there also, and there could be a lot of guys who are looking to get a pay, who are looking to get a big paycheck coming up that might not be able to go out and get the deal they want anymore just because it's not there for them. Yeah, poor, poor Chris Tanev. Poor Jacob Markstrom. He's not getting so anything. Like, Jacob yeah, like, Markstrom's the big one. Yeah, like, he's stuck around for so long, and he's been waiting for these this huge payday, and he finally gets it, and it's after a year where the season's canceled and no one has money. Like, yeah. it's, like, the worst year to, to drop into free agency, basically, if you're a hockey player. Like, it's pretty unfortunate if you're one of those guys who had a career year like Markstrom. Yeah, Markstrom is the is a big one. Uh, Tyler Toffoli is a big one. Like, I will say this. I really hope the Canucks find a way to – to re-sign Tyler Toffoli and then you know there's there's uh there's been there's been stuff like he's been posting on Twitter like I think the other like he's doing a, a twitch thing tomorrow with uh Vertanen and Ben Hutton or, yeah. think, or that was today or something and it's like for like local cha- like a local Vancouver charity I'm like oh he's staying he, he already knows all the places I think he's following like uh what is it the the Daily Hive account that does all the food and everything that like, yeah he's like following that I'm like oh he's staying he's here for the long haul he's clearly he's clearly setting up to be here right it, if he doesn't stay, like, or if he doesn't get signed, though, that's going to be just, like, a huge, oh, God, moment, you know? Like, you lose Tyler Madden, who immediately signs an ELC with L.A. Like, and wouldn't it just be so Canuckian if he, if Toffoli doesn't re-sign, then Madden goes and has, like, a career year in the AHL or, like, or, like, just straight up makes the L.A. Kings next season and is, like, a Calder candidate? Yeah, not and not only that, not that, but also the fact that they only got because of the cancellation, they only got what like eight games out of Tyler Toffoli before they yeah, had to all that shut just it for down. A few games. Yeah, you thought you were getting a playoff run out of it, but nope, that's not that's not happening anymore. Yeah, it it would truly be the most Canucks thing to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, there was like who I think it was uh, another podcast. I think it was. Um, uh, I think it was Roxy Fever. They were talking about how it would be like, you know, how this will, if there is a playoff set up this year, 
it'll feel like an asterisk kind of year. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. But then, and which would mean it would be the perfect time for the Canucks to go out and win and win the cup in the one. Yeah. Year. Everyone's like, oh, this one barely counts, you know? Yeah. This would be such a Canuck thing to do. This is the year they do it. We can't even have a parade because we'd all be stuck inside. Yeah. Um, as okay, as there's a couple other comments I wanted to get to before we uh, jump into like some non, some necessarily um, some more <laughs> off the ice stuff. Um, no Oli Levy is you know he's he's a he's an interesting topic <laughs> Just, um, in <laughs> to terms of to say the least yeah you know i mean he, a lot of which is t- to no fault of his own you, like no. you know he's dealt with a lot of injuries um even this year he wasn't able to play a full year um yeah. but he 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 made some strides as far as defensive prospects can go is uh, what is the ceiling for him at this point I think in a in in the non-Canuck world, so a world that works where everything works out well and nothing goes wrong. Oh, Olevi shows up to training camp and like just wows people with like a completely revamped skating style and and there's no concern. He's fully healthy and he's chomping at that seventh D spot alongside Brogan Rafferty. But realistically based on how his pivoting and his turning looked at the AHL level this season, I just don't think realistically he's a guy you can pin down as an NHL defender. He's, he's got great puck movement. He's got great passing ability and like vision at the AHL level but you get that guy on a one-on-one defensive situation and he just gets beat every single time because he doesn't have the speed or the ability to turn and chase his guy. And that's going to cost him huge. Like, look at, look at the trust issues that like green has with like Stetcher when he makes like mistakes that are like almost like completely out of his control. How, what's going to happen if, you know, a pl- NHL player gets on a one V one and just like beats him outside because he can't turn because He's done. So realistically, I think he's probably in the AHL like for the most of next season. But I mean, I hope he <laughs> impresses because like I feel bad for the kid. Like no one wants like a 22 year old to blow out his knee and completely wreck his career path. Like that's horrible. Yeah. You don't want like this kid to be like an asterisk where people are discussing whether the GM sucks and it all boils down to this one this one kid who like it's completely out of his control like that sucks for him uh but yeah I just I don't know I don't see him being an NHLer he had great strides he had great production but yeah yeah the defensive side which is probably what he'd be called up to be like no like the D that are going to get called up next season are getting called up to be Quinn Hughes right they're getting called up to defend like, look at uh, Brisebois, not last season, but the season before. Like, he was called up to be, like, just, like, a stable guy who could defend. You're not going to go on crazy offensive rushes or anything like that. Like, you just need to hold your own. And that's kind of what, like, a Yule Levy would be competing for. Like, I don't think that's, you know, rude to say, but 
I, I just don't think he has the speed or the skating to be anything more than like a seventh D who can defend. And I don't think he can do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the hard truth, unfortunately. Yeah. Especially like, I mean, I saw a lot of um, just from living in the Bay area and you know, I watched a lot of sharks hockey when I did, when I was living there and of course mm-hmm. I was writing uh, for the fin as well. Uh, but you know, like I watched, I got to watch Eric, Car- Eric Carlson on a regular basis last season. This was of course after, you know, he blew out his knee. Yeah. Um, and he had, and he was having issues. I think the season before that as well. Um, there were so many times where he, he was getting beat on corners to, or to pucks and everything, just because he couldn't make that turn anymore, and he just didn't have right. foot speed like he used to. He, he's still a great defenseman, but you know, yeah. there are certain parts to his game that are just no longer there. Um, and yeah. the Sharks went and gave him eleven million dollars, but we're, we're not going <laughs> to talk about that. Um, <laughs> Oli Levy, it, I would love to see him. You know, uh, I'd love to see him make the NHL. Obviously, yeah, I don't see him necessarily being that blue chip prospect anymore that he was supposed to be when he was drafted. Where uh, the what was it fifth overall? Um, yeah. it's but you know. Um, you ho- you have to hope for the best, especially with like a young kid like that. There's still there's hope that he can, you know, that if they get the right skating coach with him, that you know potentially you could see his game fixed to a point where yeah, he could potentially make that sixth or seventh guy, and you hope he can find a way to do that. But yeah, until I see it, it's it's not looking good for him anymore. Yeah, of course. Like yeah, we all we all want the best for him because like who doesn't want. Like, like I think at the time they were like, this guy could be your next Alex Edler. Like, this guy could be your power play two runner. Like, this is what everyone was hoping for. And so at this point, he'll take anything. Yeah, <laughs> like you, you want you want the best for the player. And like, fingers crossed, everything goes well, and you, we don't get a surprise on in June where they're where the Canucks are like, oh, by the way, he's having back surgery out of nowhere. Oh jeez! Because like, that was that was terrible when that happened. Like there was just like uh, so deflating. You can't yeah. do anything about it. Yeah, so many. It's just like it, those guys. Those some guys just cannot catch that break with the injury bug. Whether that is just the way they play, whether it's their body just kind of can't take the the strain. Sometimes it's yeah. oh, it's it's such a bummer, especially with those younger guys where you the potential's there and just especially with if the injuries like like you mentioned like a back issue and like mm-hmm. and, and like foot injuries and stuff like those are the ones that are so hard to ever fully ch- where you're like you know it's so hard to ever get your body mentally your, your yourself to mentally trust your body to be able to do the things you used to do right right like it, it there is a little bit of it with of that of the mind game to it right like when you hurt your back the way you do and i think Brock Besser talked about it when he got hurt yeah, uh, it's so it it, it, t- it there is a little part of you of your head where you're just like you're scared to make that 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 play you used to be able to make because you're worried about putting about about another injury or something. Yeah, of course. And I think at the time too, before the back injury, I think in the camp prior, the Canucks' advice to to Oli was you know you need to get bigger. Like if you want to be an NHL defenseman, like you're gonna to have to put on some mass, put on some size. And then so he spent like his entire offseason bulking up and then he like screwed up his back and then he was trying to skate in the AHL with like a iffy back like you said and then he blows out his knee. So now he's adjusting to a completely new body as like a bulked up defender. And then he has to change his skating style to a new body. Like it's, it's a lot to ask of a young player that early on in his career. And so if a guy like Brock Besser is like saying there's concerns about, you know, making the wrong move, that's going to 
like affect your back? Like, how do you think this kid's feeling when he's trying to be an offensive puck moving defender on a weak knee and a bad back? Yeah, it's it's all that plus keep. It's literally okay. Keep do all of these brand new things while also not forgetting how to do all the things you were good at before that and the reason we drafted you in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Like Here's it's the so list. Much it's <laughs> it's just so much it's just so much at once and yeah, he's so young and just it's a lot to put on one guy and hopefully he finds a way to put it all together. Yeah, um, um so I'll, okay, I'll tell you one other uh, there's one other player who I who I want to talk about. Um and uh, I'll tell you what, uh, from living in the Bay Area, there when I uh-huh. when I got hired at fear the fin as a as a like connection between the canucks and the sharks for the two teams i was covering i got mm-hmm. i went out and got uh, a nikolai goldobin bobblehead off of nice off of ebay and it's sitting on my shelf um and you know i had very high hopes for goldie um especially because getting to see him with the barracuda like he stuck out especially not not just because the barracuda were super deprived of any star talent uh because mm-hmm. the Sharks are so good but just because of the way he skated and he was clearly like he was clearly ahead of everyone else at the ahl level when he was uh younger things did not pan out the way they have for him in vancouver <laughs> Uh, particularly no. Travis Green. Um, is there is there is there any shot at this point that Goldie can make a, a run of things in Vancouver? or Is it time for a change? Uh, oh, he he's gone for sure. Gone. There, there's no way. Like uh, like wishful thinking would be like he's like oh I think I can do this with the Canucks, but like I think his brief brief showing with Travis Green and the Canucks this season was all you needed to know. He got like what like like three shifts in the first period and then like one in the second and then he was just done for the night and then he's back in the AHL the next day. Like there's, they clearly want him to be something that he's just like, that's just not him as a player. And maybe that's like the end, like what every NHL team is going to try and do with him is they want him to be something he's not, but it sucks because like, yeah, at the AHL level, he's fucking awesome. I don't know if you're like, (laughs) sorry. No, you can swear on the, the, all you like. This is expl- there's an explicit tag. Oh fuck, perfect. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like this season, like he there's times where he's moving the puck up the ice, and it looks like he is just fucking around for his own personal highlight reel. Like and you can <laughs> like the way he moves the puck, like through his skates, he's bouncing it off like his opponent's stick, and he's regaining it, and he's like just spinning like he's doing whatever he wants basically to try and move the puck and like sure 99 percent of the time like it results in a odd man rush the other way but he's still getting <laughs> it up there in the fanciest way and you genuinely have to wonder if he was like okay the canucks don't want me so i'm just gonna pad out my own highlight reel see if i can pitch myself to another team <laughs> with my skill because like it's so apparent how good he is handling the puck, distributing the puck and scoring. He had a fantastic year. He was almost a point per game. And uh, yeah, it's just, it sucks because like, I think everyone here, any Canuck fan was like, saw his production with PD last season. We're like, yes, this is going to be great. What this a is top the guy. This is the guy, a puck moving winger who can feed PD one timers at will. And then, they decided that, I don't know, he wasn't hard enough on pucks or in puck battles and okay, bye. <laughs> yeah, that's it. 
that's it. Bye. You're done now. Yeah. I, I will say this, um, and maybe this is a hot take to some people out there, but uh, I think JT Miller was a, was a decent upgrade at the end of the day. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling. Okay, bear with me here. JT Miller was a good player this season. Get out of here. Get out of here. I, I know. This is, I'm full of hot takes. I'm full uh, of sizzlers. I can't, but... I can't be having you on the podcast if you're going to come in here and, and start... <laughs> You're gonna start swearing and making these crazy, these crazy, crazy declarations. Like, oh God, JT Miller, good. Get out of here. Yeah, I know. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? I mean, yeah, like I think once we knew, like, okay, they've got Miller. He's probably gonna play with Petey, and Besser's not gonna move from that top line. And I think everyone just kind of knew, like, okay, he has to outplay like a bona fide NHL winger and a star player in Brock Besser to be able to make the top six because he doesn't work with Bo in the way that Bo's deployed. And right. that and Bo Horvat's style means he's always going to be that second line that's kind of like a shutdown line that can really punch up with offense by battling for pucks. And goalie just doesn't fit that role. So if he doesn't fit that second line, he can't win the first line spot. So you got no use for him. So that's why you kind of roll back like time and you're like, okay, why last summer did the team say, let's bring him back on a million dollar deal. If he's going to have no shot, like he really did have no chance unless horrible injuries befell the team. And of course, in the very Canuck way that it was, nobody got injured. Everyone was fine. The first time that first time they actually had some injury luck go their way a little bit this year. Yeah. Um, I will say, I will say this. I think the Canucks didn't anticipate as like so, um, uh, as many players who they brought in to really like, uh, fit the bill so well this season, like not just like, not just JT Miller, but even like, um, damn it. Why did my, his name escape me? Josh Levo. Josh Levo had a season until he got hurt. He was a great fit as like the right as the right wing on the just you whether you needed him on the second line for scoring third line for depth to shut down role he was yeah. a perfect he was a perfect fit for that group um and i yeah, think quads was talking about how he's kind of a poor man's uh tyler Toffoli um to a degree mm-hmm. he can't score at that same rate but he's a, but he's a serviceable guy who can fit in those in a couple different spots and i think the canucks this year got a lot of contributions from players uh, from new from acquisitions or just player players who had an extra year of hockey in the, mm-hmm. in the system that ended up stepping up and be, becoming a pretty decent uh, con- contributor. So Goldie kind of just became uh, expendable. Yeah, and it, it, like you said it right there, like you got these guys who can move up and down the lineup and they'd still be contributors. Like you had Josh Lebo who could be on the second line with Bo and be like a fan fantastic battler on the boards and then you have a move to the third line and he'd be great with Godet, or you move him to the fourth line for like a shift and he'd be great there too like it was the same case for like almost everybody where they were so versatile in that they could be effective everywhere up and down and that's clearly what the canucks want they want a team that they can just like like move up and down at will and still get production out of guys Goldie was always going to be a guy who, if he's not playing in that top line position, like he's just not going to be effective. And I think in that first period or whatever, when he was with the Canucks, when they saw like, okay, if I move him down to the second line, is he going to be effective? No. Okay. See ya. 
Yep, that's just that kind of is how it go, went for Goldie. Hopefully, he finds somewhere next season where there his services are a little bit more needed and a little bit more useful. And hopefully, oh, sure. it's not in our division. <laughs> it's not in the it's not in the Pacific because that would suck <laughs> if he came back and just was like racking up like a bunch of points like ever. And it, it's like, hey, look at this guy in the division who's doing great that you left in the AHL. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Like, you have to wonder. Like, is is the this very Canuck like obviously Canucks like season going to carry over into next season where, you know, Goldie's going to walk and he's going <laughs> to go play for the Kings. And then he's just going to light it up the entire year playing on a, on a fourth line with Tyler Madden. Oh, if the Kings somehow manage to bypass the Canucks, I will like, uh, I will lose my shit a little bit. If they, <laughs> it's like, Oh, they leapfrogged us. Got, they went and won two Stanley cups sucked and then came back and started being great again. Uh, yeah, damn it. Yeah. Although the King. And I mean, that is very possible, frankly, just not necessarily because the Canucks are trending down because they're not, but because I mean, if you've looked at the Kings depth chart in terms of the, like the prospects they have coming, they've got a great group. It's, it's gross what they have. Like, that's why I was like kind of like iffy on like the the Toffoli trade because you trade Madden out and like the center depth you've got like three guys at, at most like in the system like you have Linus Carlson who's a question mark Carson Folk who's a question mark and then Arvid Kosmar who who knows right yeah. and then sorry you have Dmitry Zukanov but like really he's like a non-factor for the team and then you look at the Kings and it's just like they didn't even need more prospects like they're they were so loaded going into that trade anyway, and now they add like a kid who's like a Hobie Baker finalist. Like it's insane what they've accumulated in just a couple years. Half of them could completely bust, and the Kings would be totally fine. Like if they, yeah, like half gross. of those guys could be terrible, and they would do absolutely. They'd be absolutely well on their way to being a great team again, with regardless. Yeah. Okay. We're going to try and jump into some stuff uh, a little bit away from the rink, uh, specifically stuff around the fact that, you know, we're getting NHL players, you know, a lot, you know, nobody can have any sort of contact with them aside from, you know, we get Zoom calls. I mean, we're doing this interview (laughs) over Zoom uh, and we had some technical issues earlier in the show, but we fixed (laughs) those and they're doing great now. Um, In regards to players, we've been seeing a lot. I would say one of the interesting things that's happened during this whole coronavirus thing um, is it almost feels like we've gotten a lot more personality out of the players, out of players uh, since they've been on quarantine. We're seeing a lot more. We talked briefly while we were having some issues uh, about uh, uh, Elias Pettersson and his amazing golf video. Uh, yeah. Like just like those sorts of things. Like it, it's, it's amazing how different the players are when there's no hockey going on, specifically when there's no hockey teams telling them what to do. Um, and how much more fun those players can be. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's a fantastic time for, like, you know, pulling up your sleeves and shedding the veneer of, like, what people think you are. It's just like a, I'm a stereotypical hockey player. But it's kind of crazy what boredom does to people. You know what I mean? Like, it's been, like, months <laughs> without hockey. <laughs> and oh, people God. are losing it. And I'm all it is it. is just, like, I need to get – so I need to do something. To quote Jeff Patterson, they need to do something <laughs> because they're so bored and they've got they're probably under a bit more strict regulations where they're being told to stay at home and people will bring food to them. Like let's be real. It isn't like us where we're like, okay, we still gotta go to work tomorrow. 
they're literally sitting at home with nothing to do. Like you saw Jeremy Rowanick's uh, video the other day. I did not. Oh, he, he posted like a backyard workout challenge and like granted he's like a multimillionaire and has like this <laughs> sick Giant backyard, backyard. That's got, like yeah. a golf course, a pool, a workout station, like a oh hunting my. range. Like Oh no, you poor soul. I, I don't know How do you manage? <laughs> yeah, it's so tough, you know, being him, right? Yeah. But like these guys are so bored doing nothing. And it's so fantastic because boredom breeds creativity. Yeah. And so you get stuff like Elias Pedersen deciding to chip a golf puck in, or a, a golf ball into a cup for hole in ones in really weird ways. And you're just like, Oh, okay. You, you're pretty funny. That's getting a kick out of this. Yeah. yeah. And you're getting a kick out of the other Canucks commenting being like, are you bored PD? <laughs> yeah. That's also <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah. Brock, what is this? Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. That's my, that is my, I'm going to, that's my new favorite Canucks meme. I've started using like that was, I, I posted a screenshot of his comments uh, to that video uh, after yeah. watching Tiger King. That was one of my, <laughs> excuse me, a, what is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like the, the double comment too. Like he commented once and then was like, he that, thought about it and was like, wait, what? Yeah. Like this, like it's, 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 it's art. It's absolute art. Is what it's it fantastic. Belongs in the Louvre. Whenever we're allowed to put stuff in the Louvre again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of sports uh, networks have had uh, some extra airtime of late to, that they've needed to fill. And, you know, people have been doing some interesting things. Like uh, one of the things that I've really enjoyed so far is uh, ESPN has been doing, have been having NBA players play through the season uh, with as like on NBA 2K. And mm-hmm. I kind of am wondering, I'm like, okay, when is the NHL going to kind of hop on board here and try to get a little bit more creative as to the ways they're kind of putting the players out there? Because, yeah, the Zoom calls are good. Like, they're doing something. But yeah. I would love to see some NHL play- them go to, like, like players like on the Canucks or on other teams and just be like, okay, we're going to give you some free reign here to, like, uh, jump in, do some, um, do some, like, NHL, play some NHL 20 on Sportsnet or NBC mm-hmm. or something and just let them go. You know? Yeah, like, I think uh, it was the BCHL that did, uh, like, players from their teams representing their teams for the full playoffs. And then one player from, like, the Surrey Eagles would play one player from the Coquitlam Express in, like, a full seven-game series. And that would be, like, their that would be their content. It's just, like, seeing what would happen if the, the series carried on. And I think, like, the NHL should be doing stuff like that, too. Like, embrace, like what everyone like every you know average layman is doing right now and just sitting around playing video games or watching tv like embrace that stuff like the zoom calls are like okay like here's a guy sitting on his couch bored out of his mind just like you answering questions <laughs> but like embrace like the other sides of like sports like look at esports they're huge so like embrace it a bit yeah the nhl is they're they're uh, they have the this is the problem with the sport we love, Cody, is just, yeah. you know, the, the NHL is very consistently late to the party on a lot, yes. of, on a lot of new things. They, the yeah. only thing of late that they were ahead of the curve on was, was Vegas as a, as a sports market, as a pro sports yeah. market. The only thing that they've been kind of ahead of the curve on. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see them just get, get creative with this. Like you said, you know, people are, people are bored. They'll find things to be interested about. Like how great would it be if they were just like, okay, 
a bunch of hockey players are each starting their own like podcast or something about a show they're yeah. watching on like Netflix or something. Or yeah. yeah, they have them just like reacting to like old games. I think they're doing a little bit of a decent job with the classic mm. games. Although I will say this, I think the NHL needs to step up their game a little bit and be like, okay, here's ne- here's NHL Netflix. Go nuts. Here's every game yeah. we have in the archives. Go have yeah, go fun nuts. with it. Record your own play-by-play if you want. We'll play the best clips or whatever. Like, yes. literally anything, right? Yes. And, like, TikTok. as for, like, the, as for like the, the, the video game thing, too, like, like there was a great Boshford piece. I think it was the, the second one. It was after Quads. Um where they talked about uh, Jay Beagle and Bo Horvat playing Mario Kart together. Yes. And so lean into it. Like, could you imagine the Canucks are like, oh, like big game tonight. Bo, Bo Horvat's taking on Jay Beagle in a huge Mario Kart match. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, could, they could totally lean into these things. Like I think Vegas did it last year when uh, they had uh, like four players on like a huge like soundstage playing um, – uh, overcooked on Nintendo Switch, and it was like a full like two or three hour stream of these guys like mic'd up playing like this like this totally childish game, and it, it was great content. I, I think like now that like everyone's remote, like everyone's got webcams these days, everyone's playing video games. Like just lean into it a bit, be like really fun, kind of like curb the boredom a bit, and they totally could too because if any fan base is invested in what video games their players are playing. It's it's Vancouver. <laughs> yes, very. I want to I want to watch some Fortnite. I want to watch uh, Petey and Brock play some Fortnite or something. That'd be pretty hilarious. Yeah, and like maybe hey, every now and then you could be like, okay, we're gonna invite a we're gonna invite a fan in to play with us or something, sort of thing. Like, oh, that's that's, that's that the people's minds. Yeah, that's the that's the great engagement you could get, and you know mm-hmm. the NHL the NHL got us got to step it up a little bit. They're doing all right. They're not doing yeah. terribly like I thought they would. But I think their their priorities are just on oh god how do we get this season back or we're so screwed. <laughs> yes. What is uh, I will ask you this. What is your if you're in charge like say you have the the ability to pick how this goes. Say say quarantine ended I don't know in on June on May 1st, let's say. Let's say mm-hmm. May 1st everything magically cleared up and you have the opportunity to let thing to pick how they play out the year. What what are, what are you doing? I would do um, like a really shortened regular season, like really, really abbreviated shortened season. And then like, like everyone gets topped up to, you know, 70, like where were we at when the season ended? Like 60 think, games or something? I think the Canucks the main, had a few games in hand. I think we were like at 70 or. Right. So that, so if everyone gets topped up to like 76 or something like that, right? So then some teams play like a few, some people don't. People think it's unfair, but whatever, it's better than playing a full 82. And then you go into like an abbreviated playoffs where the first round is, say, best of three. Like the old school way where it's best of three, the next round's best of five, next round best of five, and then the, like only the Stanley Cup finals is best of seven. So really shorten it. So you still get a playoffs, but it's like height, like height, uh, uh, sorry, shortened so that next season doesn't get like completely screwed. Yeah, that's that's. I think, I think I'm more on the side of I want to. I would be okay if they just cut the season where it was and just kind of let every and you know like and say okay, regular season's done. We're just gonna right. Go right to the playoffs. And I kind of like the idea of let's do a 
an expanded playoffs, you know, where they have like maybe 24 teams in there and like a couple wild card rounds or something to get in. Right. Just so, you know, you don't leave out a bunch of teams in the cold. Because, I mean, I, like, I think the biggest issue that people have kept saying with bringing back the regular season always comes back to, do you really want to make poor Detroit or L.A. or San Jose come back <laughs> just to play a couple of games after it's like, look, we're, we're, it's like, guys, we'll just forfeit and not show yeah, up. We're good. You know? we're, we're good. We don't need the, to drag this out. Um I, I'm intrigued by the idea of like, you know, some teams talk about like people have talked about the idea of doing a lot or like a, for the first round pick having like a tournament or something. I yeah. think there is a lot of issues inherent with that. But oh, for sure. Like if you're Detroit, you're like, come on guys. Like you see we, us play. We lost <laughs> hard for this. Like, yeah, like we worked for this. Damn it. Give it to us. Our, for our best player all season was Tyler Bertuzzi. We need this. <laughs> yeah. We, we traded our other best player. Like look instantly. At, like, look well, at we poor, got nothing. Look at poor Jimmy Howard. He won two games in October and then lost the next 22 in a row. Yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> He, he doesn't need this. <laughs> like, uh, uh, poor, poor Alex Biega, you know? Uh, oh, good for I was, Alex I was thinking Biega. about that. I was like, <laughs> they're trying to do him a favor by getting him, like, a full-time spot for Detroit. <laughs> Detroit. Uh, poor Bulldog. He worked uh, hard. He worked hard. He did. He's going to use him again. Yeah. Um, okay. Let, uh, let's try and uh, transition over to, you know, our personal lives and just what we're trying to do. Um, last week, I had Justin Morissette on. He talked about mm-hmm. wrestling and WrestleMania. Um, I had uh, Danny Huntley on before that, and she talked about the bat. And we talked the about Bachelor, The Bachelor. Right? Yes. Um, yeah. As well as uh, Star Wars. Um, so what are you, uh, I know for a fact that you are, do- one of the things you're doing uh, is you're playing uh, Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, with uh, Wyatt uh, Stanchion, who's a friend of the friend of the pod, he friend hasn't been on. Yeah, he hasn't <laughs> been on yet this show, but he's a, he, he's a friend of the pod anyway. Um, uh, so, how has that? What has that been like for you? It's been like really fun. Like we we only played like a few times, but like I said, it like he's always obviously like a really funny guy, and he's like insanely good at that game. So like like I think I'm like brought on for like comic relief, you know what I mean? And like I, I will lean heavily into that role because like I'm sometimes good at that game. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I do my best, you know, keep putting butt pucks on net, do what I can. Uh, <laughs> That's but, all they ask. That's all you yeah, I'm you like are the fine grinder, you know? Like I'm, yes. just, I'm there to, I got my role. It's tough, you know, sometimes it doesn't go my way, but hey, sometimes, you know, I, I come up big with a shorthand, a shorty, you know, that's, that's how I do. You're the guy who years from now when you magically uh, put it, like you, you, you score the winner in the, in the final, like in the final two groups that are in the, in the, in the goo in the what is it the 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 gulag, like the, the gulag? yeah you're the yeah. you're the story they're gonna talk about the legend who's gonna get all the beers uh every beer paid for for the rest of their life you, you, you <laughs> the, cool legend. the occasion you came in the clutch just out of nowhere you know that's <laughs> for the one game for the, for the one game only the one game and you're just gonna yeah. celebrate like you've just won the stanley cup that's how it's gonna yeah. go um <laughs> are you a big gamer is there a lot of games you play right now uh, I'm sure you've seen me on the Discord channel and how many uh, game tags are under my name. I, I like, <laughs> because like my my schedule's like shortened. Like I'm at home at like four, and like I just don't do really much anything else except like put a, I put t- TV on like one screen, and then the other screen is either League of Legends or Warzone because it's just like okay, 
kill time because you can't go outside or do anything else. Oh, what else are you going to do? What are you going to do? Get Go to the store? Get out of here. Yeah, like, I don't know. The other day I was like, should I should I do some, like, more hockey stuff and, like, you know, go into Joni Gadjevich and, like, his season? And then, like, seconds into opening up HL TV, I was just like, who cares? You're like, this is, <laughs> no one, this is depressing. No one's paying attention to hockey. Everyone's just, like, doing their own thing. Everyone's freaked out about like, the world ending. Like, nobody yeah. cares. We've, got, we, we, we've kind of got, like, yes, this, po- this podcast is a hockey podcast, but as technically speaking, we've got bigger fish to fry right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um okay you so you play a lot of games i guess for a lot and a lot of people i would imagine right now are picking up games for the first time that they haven't really you know because they haven't either they just don't have the time in a normal in a normal world or you know they've got other things to do so i guess if you're if you're somebody who's picking up who's starting who's like interested in starting games right now like what are some some games or some consoles that you would recommend for people who want to kind of give it a shot well, I don't mean to put console users on blast, but PC Master Race for Life. Um, as a, I would pl- never spend money on a console anymore. They're, I don't know. As a, P- as a PS4 <laughs> owner, as a PS4 Pro owner, how dare you? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't even take back my statement. I doubled down on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, if I wow, can you're just, wow, I, can, I bring you onto my podcast and you yeah. just start shitting on me for owning a PlayStation? <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. The last console I had was Xbox 360, and I maybe used it like for Left 4 Dead. That was it. <laughs> okay. All right, but like, so okay, so like, well, PC in a way, you know what? You could argue that PC gaming is more accessible for people right now, just because of the fact that you know lots of people already have home computers and stuff you know mm. i think and like yeah people are maybe trending towards only having a laptop at home but there's still a good amount of people who have who have a full a full pc at home so oh, i guess sure. like what are some games that are that people could be trying out on the pc that they, besides besides minecraft of course that they can <laughs> go in and get well, yeah, a shot I was gonna at. say like it, in times of pandemics when like you need something to like like chill out and like not panic over like i would play like stardew valley or something like something along that those lines like something peaceful and like just completely removed from like death and destruction and misery which is <laughs> all yeah. what warzone is about <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah like stardew valley is like my jam man like if you ever need to like relax just build a farm farm your little minerals you know it's like was that game on Facebook like years ago, like Farmville. Ago? Farmville, yeah, I love like that, that game. Good, yeah. And you'd like, what would you do? You like, you'd sell your crops or something. I can't. Yeah, remember, you'd but. like, you'd plant, you plant your crops, and then they would, you'd have to grow the after the however long it takes them to grow in internet time. Then you right. you harvest them, and then yeah, you sell them, and then you'd get like cows and other stuff. Right. I, I loved that game. I'm not gonna. I will not. I'm not ashamed of that. I was absolutely all over Farmville when that was a thing. <laughs> I, I think I remember being 
really huge into it. And then like, I came back after like weeks or whatever of like not playing it and I like forgot. And so everything was dead on my farm. And I was like, Oh, right. You have to like be on this. And so I stopped <laughs> you've done it. this. Like you feel yeah, shame. Like, yeah. Cause you're like, Oh, my plants, they've all died. Yeah. I've killed everything. I'm a murderer. This is all I had. I can barely look after an air plant in my own house. And now you want me to, to keep track <laughs> yeah. of digital plants. Get out of here. No. <laughs> Yeah, like, sorry, like, when we moved, when me and my wife moved into my current house, I asked my sister's boyfriend, because he's, like, a, a plant guy, like, to, to give us some housewarming plants, and I was like, you need to give me instructions so I don't, don't kill him, and he's like, okay, I gave you the, the easiest plants to take care of ever, you don't have to do anything, and, like, I killed him in, like, a month, not even. <laughs> yep, that, that's literally me, my, uh, my, one of my friends, she got me an air plant when I moved in, and yeah. It's still sitting here and it's turned brown and I'm really <laughs> feel, I feel so guilty about it. Now I can't even go and go get another one because all the plant stores are closed. Yeah, uh, if I look out the blinds of my room that I'm in right now as we do this podcast, I can stare at the the rotting corpse of this plant that he bought. Me. <laughs> really it's sad. just it literally just sits there and just like haunts you because you're like you feel guilty about like throwing it out or something but you're also like what am I gonna do with this I can't yeah part of you there's always that part of you that's like I can bring this back to life somehow you know yeah it just gets enough water then I don't know it'll like a hockey player it just has a resurgence yeah it'll (laughs) magically reappear you know it's 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 in a rebuilding year it's a rebuilding exactly yes (laughs) (laughs) Um, all right. What kind of like, uh, TV shows and movies are you, are you into right now or like on your watch list? Well, right now I'm catching up on Better Call Saul. Like I, I didn't realize, um, that the fifth season was on right now. And so like, I've been trying to binge watch that. And, um, before that I had watched HBO's The Outsider, which was weird, but it was all right. Um, and then, but right now just kind of apparently community came back on Netflix. So I've been like rewatching that like crazy lately. Yeah. You know, I love that show. You know, what's really funny is I had, I literally just finished watching community last week or something, oh, but yeah? on Amazon prime video, cause uh-huh. it was already there for six. It had already been there the whole series. And I started watching it and then it's like, Oh, and then everybody's like, Oh my God, community's coming to Netflix. And I'm like, Oh, I just <laughs> finished that. My bad. Good timing. Yeah. Great timing. Yeah. So I, yeah, I am very pro community. I love that show. It's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I love it. And just rewatching it. I, I just find it so funny every single time. I, even though like I find myself, I've rewatched it like a couple times and like, I find myself just like saying the dialogue out loud, even as like the seat, like the episodes progressing. And like, I don't even care because it like completely like you're laughing before the jokes happen. <laughs> it's just so good. It doesn't matter. Is that like your go-to show as like, okay, like every year I want, like I'll, I'm going to binge watch this one show because I just love it so much. Yeah. Like for, for like the longest time, my go-to, sh- I mean, obviously it's like the office because like that's just been on one platform the entire time, like it's Netflix. Right. Mm-hmm. But before that, like even like back into when like DVDs were like actually like a thing, I'd always have community running, like always, always, always. And then, um, but yeah, then once they took it off of Netflix, like I just like fell off. So I'd go to like Arrested Development or just like 
cycle through the office again. Mm-hmm. But now that's back. Ooh, it's bad news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my, so for me, my show has always been Parks and Rec. That's been the one that I go back to every year. I will yeah. say my hot, my, probably one of my hotter takes is that I think Parks and Rec is better than The Office. And I, I, I know a lot of people are going to come at me <laughs> for that one, but I'm sorry. They, they, it's the same showrunners and everything. Uh, Parks yeah, and Rec came out Michael later. Scher, he's fantastic. Yeah, they took Michael Sh- Oh, Michael Scherz made so many great shows. There's that, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place, which I need to finish the last season. I need to find a way to finish that. Uh, what was the other yeah, one? Same. 30 Rock, I think he was part of as well, kind of, uh, yeah. to a degree. He's done every great show in the last, like, decade. Pretty much. Yeah. Apparently he was a part of SNL, too, at some point on the writing writing team. So That checks <laughs> out. That definitely yeah, checks like, out. Considering it makes a lot of the- sense because... He was like apparently like really young when he started as a writer for SNL, and then when he left, it probably coincides with the time with the time where SNL started like dropping off in quality. Yeah, he but also like, like he every also time wrote- he leaves a show, it's like it kind of dips because he's that good. Yeah, and you know, like, and then the shows that he stays on, like Parks and Rec, are great the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's uh, there's there's so much good there. Yeah, I love Parks and Rec. I go through that one right now. That's the show I'm going through right now. Uh, just now that I finished, although I'm going to take some time and probably rewatch a couple other shows. One of the big ones for me is, uh, the Mandalorian. I have to get finished on, like I already fit, I already went through it once and I want to go <laughs> back again and kind of look for all the Easter eggs and stuff that I missed the last oh, yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm a big days ago too. Oh yeah. It's, uh, it's so good. The, the last episode especially is just phenomenal. It was a relief after the last couple movies they put out. <laughs> oh yeah, we. I mean, I, I. I'll tell you this: there, I can't tell you how many times this podcast has. I've somehow the, the the conversation has always steered back towards Star Wars <laughs> at some point. I'm sure it's going to keep happening. Um, it's um, it's just it's just how it is. It's Star Wars is great, and you know, The Mandalorian was phenomenal. I did two episodes on it, like two uh, mm-hmm. bonus episodes, and. Uh, talked about how Quinn Hughes is baby Yoda. That's, that's, that's how it is. It's, that is, that's <laughs> a fact. Accurate. He has the force. He is young and powerful and will destroy you eventually. <laughs> that's fair. And he's adorable. Yeah. It, it's, it's, <laughs> he's just so cute. He's just so cute. Damn it. Yeah. Baby Yoda is amazing. Um, it's, um, and then I think earlier in the show, you actually mentioned, you mentioned, uh, the M- you mentioned Marvel. You mentioned the MCU. Uh, I miss, are you big on you big on those? Uh, it's tough to say. Like, I don't re go through and rewatch them. The only one I've rewatched like multiple times is Ragnarok. But like oh, everything so else, yeah. Like you- I, I can watch it once, but I I find it like a bit much. Like just like the CGI explosions and whatever. But like otherwise, like it's it's all Ragnarok. That's all I watch. Ragnarok's <laughs> a great choice. I mean, Taika Waititi is a great director, and which is yes. why, which is why I mentioned the last episode of The Mandalorian because he was uh, he directed that one. It's so good. And and as IG Eleven, I and as IG Eleven loved him as the uh, as the the I'm a nurse droid. That was phenomenal. Like yeah, it's uh, great. I I was like, this is the this is great. Yeah, and I think he's directing something else coming up. I think he's directing some other like Star Wars project or something. I mean, mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken. Good. Um, he should everything. <laughs> yes, he should. One hundred percent. Have you seen uh, this? Is what we do in the shadows? Yes. It's, oh. I I had like a, a stretch where I watched that movie, and then I had friends over, like over multiple nights, like different friends, and we I made them sit down and watch that movie. <laughs> 
was like, he, like the crazy friend, like you've got to watch this. Man. So yeah, good. yeah, that oh one, yeah, it's so good. It's a fun, it's a it's a good movie. I've only seen it a couple times, but like I'm always yeah. like, I I, I think I've, that's one of the those shows that I quote that I quote so regularly, just because it like yeah. all just zingers in it. Have um, you watched the TV show of it yet? There's a TV show. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a full on TV show. I started watching that a couple of weeks ago, and it's uh, pretty good too. I did not know that. Now I'm going to go go look for it. You'll have to give me the the link to that after the show. I will. All right. And I think with that, uh, we're pretty much uh, wrapping it up here. Um, Cody, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can people find you? You can... Oh, I might have to look it up because it's been so long since I saw my own site. Hold on. <laughs> uh, uh, it's wordpress.com, And you can follow hey. me on Twitter at Cody Siebertson. I think. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, okay. I'll post links to it. Yeah, we'll be fine. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, thank you so much for, for listening. Hopefully, as uh, I feel like I keep ending the show this way, but you know, uh, hopefully this gives you some entertainment um, in these, this, this time, you know, uh, as yeah. we're all just trying to find ways to keep, keep the people entertained when our, our, the sport that we're trying, that we want to cover is not available. Um, yeah, okay. uh, yeah. And, uh, you can find my, you can find my work at lockinthecrease.com. I'm going to be trying to write a little bit on there as well as doing some, uh, some, maybe some non hockey stuff, writing about some movies and some TV that I'm watching. Uh, <laughs> started the dark crystal last night. I'm thinking Ooh. I might write a couple things on that. I've never, uh, I've never, I've never watched it before, but, uh, so far it's really good. Cast is great as well. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can find some of my work as well at, uh, Daily Hive Offside and Passage of Bullis, although won't be seeing any new stuff there for a while. Um, and if, but, uh, yeah, hopefully that'll be back soon. And, uh, if you enjoyed the show, check out the Patreon, my Patreon, patreon.com slash shock in the crease for three bucks a month. You get four bonus episodes of the show. It's a, it's a, it's a good deal. I highly suggest you take it. Please. Do it, guys. Do it. Do it. <laughs> Do it. And yeah, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers. Bye.